This is a previously recorded episode. This show is broadcasting live from Detroit Sound Studios above Activate Gaming and is part of the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Red Wings trying to get the sweep. Three seconds left into the zone with the top run to the standing Welcome to episode one, the very first episode of the Detroit Red Wing Alumni Association official podcast. Sitting in with me today is my co-host, just for a day, the one and only George Bowman. Welcome, George. Thanks for having me, Numi. This is a an epic event. It is epic. Um, we'll see how epic it is after the next 48, 49 minutes go by. I am Newman. Uh, my real name is Michael DeRay. Nobody calls me that. They call me Newman because primarily I'm overweight and annoying, just like the guy from Seinfeld. <laughs> Joining us today, we have Jess on the ones and twos. Jess is our program, hey. our board engineer. Welcome, Jess. Oh, welcome you guys. Welcome to the studio. So one of the things, um, we're very fortunate to have George Bowman with us today. Eddie Mio, number 41 in your playbook, number 15 in your heart. Um, is going to be our co-host as we move forward. Eddie, unfortunately, is in Toronto today. He will be joining us probably about 10 past the hour. He's going to call in to welcome you, the listening audience, to our very epic, as George put it, podcast. But I wanted to introduce George Bowman a little bit more to you. George is currently the secretary of the Detroit Red Wing Alumni Association, and he is the primary backup goalie for the alumni, as we like to call him, the circus clown, the rodeo clown of the alumni. But it, the great thing about George is his passion for the Red Wing alumni and his lineage with the Detroit Red Wing alumni. So what I'd like to do is have George explain a little bit of exactly what the alumni is and what his role is with the alumni and where he's at. Uh, well, obviously my role with the, in the alumni as secretary is uh, – 
basically bridging the gap with all the charities and the host and our players and everything we do from top to bottom. I uh, work very closely with our president, Joey Koser, and vice president, Wayne Presley, uh, treasurer, uh, Paul McKinnon. We uh, meet, we talk, we uh, kibitz quite a bit throughout the week getting ready for our games. Uh, a little bit about me and my past. Uh, my grandfather, uh, Scotty Bowman, there's actually two of them. My grandfather played on the first two cup teams in the 30s, uh, 36 and 37. Also, Guinness Book world record holder for the first penalty shot ever scored in the NHL uh, playing for St. Louis Eagles. And, uh, and hence was purchased by the Red Wings. Norris paid $55,000 for... Scotty Bowman and Sid Howe. There's actually two Howes, uh, both in the Hall of Fame. Sid Howe in uh, circa 30, uh, 1930s, and uh, my grandfather Scotty, Ralph Scotty Bowman. Um, so the great trivia question is how many times do you see Scotty Bowman's name on the Stanley Cup? I lost track now because Scotty's with Chicago, but it's 13 or 14 if you include my grandfather. Well, I found out when I went to the Hall of Fame. That's no longer a good trivia question because his name's on the cup as Ralph Bowman. But it, he went by Scotty, and uh, there was a, bu- a bunch of young kids throughout Canada when he was playing named after my grandfather. So um, anyways, uh, my involvement with the alumni started back in around 2000. Just happened to get back into the game. I'm a golf professional at Oakhurst Golf and Country Club up in Clarkston, and I befriended a, a gentleman and a great man by the name of Craig Willannon. He was rehabbing his knee, coming off an injury, playing for Toronto, and uh, just happened to invite me one day to an alumni game up in Traverse City and says, uh, would you like to play goal? I'm like, sure, where? Traverse City, what's going on up there? Red Wing alumni. I said, no kidding, I'm in. Now, so that, had you played goalie prior to that? Is this something brand new? He just decided to throw a bunch of pads and pillows and throw you into a net. <laughs> Well, I grew up playing. I played through Junior B uh, with, a, with a guy who played in the NHL was my defenseman growing up. Sean Cronin played for San Jose. And um, and I took an 18-year hiatus to, to tr- travel the country of the world to uh, pursue this golf dream of mine. And uh, so I got back into it by a fluke. My college teammate said, we need a goalie one night. The guys are terrible. You'll fit right in. So I had been skating. I, I had been skating a year, and Willie uh, Craig Willannon invited me to this this skate up in Traverse City. Happens to be Alex Delvecchio's last game, and I, I feel really guilty about that. Being that when Alex saw that we had to res, resort to goalies being golf pros or vice versa, he said, <laughs> "I'm done." No, but anyways, that night Alex had a hat trick. It was unbelievable, and I, I got to see him actually play and play with him. And from there, it just turned into being a golf professional. I get the winners off. Um, uh, did you did you play on the tour? I played uh, the Nike Tour, 93 and 94, and uh, actually was fortunate enough to play in two PGA Championships, 94-96, and, and um, basically sneezed, vacuuming my car in Florida and blew my back, and I was, my game was over. So I, I got a club professional position back in Michigan, and I was in Ann Arbor for three years, and then went to Clarkston in 98. So I've been at Oakhurst since 98. Uh, great run. Great family owns the facility. Great membership. And um, I, I guess, you know, you, you sit there, and when something bad happens, you say, why me? But there's a lot of good that happened out of this. So, you know, if you can take a negative and turn it into a positive, that's 
That's a double whammy. So how long have you been secretary of the Red Wing alumni? Uh, 2006. So I think I'm in my fifth or sixth term now. We're, uh, we have an election this March for our board. Um, so hopefully I get elected again. But um, uh, yeah, so this is my fifth or sixth term, however that turns out. Now, a lot of people that are listening now, they're familiar with you because in addition to your role as secretary, you're almost – your official title too is events coordinator. So they're running completely through you. Correct. Yeah, every – literally everything that happens with the alumni um, starts with me. My name's on the website. So is Joey. So is Wayne. But I'm the only one with a phone number so I get all the contacts and I get – I get everything across the gamut. You know, can one of the guys come to our charity to do anything? You know, everything comes through me uh, via phone calls. Now, those are the emails now that you're forwarding to me, correct? Some of them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we have a media expert and a photographer with with the assets, um, <laughs> there there is a large <laughs> asset there. We will say, yeah, that. there's a, it's a perfect fit. It's a perfect fit. So, uh, what a great team. Uh, led, you know, I, I mean, I've worked under Dennis Hextall, I've worked under Lee Norwood, Sean Burr, God rest his soul, and now Joey's on his third term, uh, hopefully number four. And um, we just, uh, it, it's just a, it's just a great group of guys. I'm honored to be part of it every day. Uh, the fact that I get to skate and play goal is is um, icing on the cake. All right, right now I think that we have Eddie calling in. <laughs> Eddie, is that you? That's me. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome the man with the face for radio. The one, the only, the incomparable, Edward Dario Mio. Eddie, how are you? I'm good, Newman. How are you? You know what? I can't complain. Nobody cares. I'm sitting here. I've got George warming up your chair for when you come back. You know, how are things in Toronto? Well, we're not there yet. Got a little, uh, 401 was closed, so we have to get a little detour. So we're about an hour away. And, uh, but things will be fine in Toronto. Uh, like I said, I apologize for not being able to do that. I hope George is doing a good job. <laughs> it's but, George. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's George. There's no way you can go with it. It's either going to be good or bad. Go. There you go. <laughs> Tell him to stop talking about golfing and stick to hockey. Well, you but know anyways, what? I uh, asked him the question, at- Eddie. Yeah, unfortunately, I have to make this trip because uh, my partner and I, Darren, uh, who's sitting with me here, we, uh, we've we got a big opportunity to showcase the Valentine Vodka right from Ferndale, by the way, where you're broadcasting right now. And uh, we're doing a kickoff All-Star uh, NBA All-Star Party uh, featuring Andrew Wiggins and Marcus Stroman, I think his name is, plus a lot of little celebrities that will pop in. So looking forward to it and I hope you guys, you know, forgive me, but I'll make it up to you. No, that's fine. Do you got a few minutes? Are you driving or can you talk? Absolutely. No, I can talk. All right. Well, one of the questions I have, Eddie, and you know, you're a pretty big name around the town because you pretty much made yourself a big name. Um, tell me how you got started in hockey. Well, it goes way back. I just hope uh I just hope I remember that far back, but it was uh it was six years old that uh, I was told about a, uh, what do you, uh, a an outdoor park recreation league that started, and that they supply the equipment for goalies. So I just applied, got hooked up on a, a team, uh, 
Lansbury Park was our uh, our home rink and, and our team's name. And it just started from there. But it, basically where I really got to start was street hockey, playing in Windsor, Ontario. Did they have cement or were you playing on dirt? Well, back then we had a lot worse winters. So the, uh, the roads, they didn't really plow them on the side streets. So we were actually playing on pretty much snowy and underneath was ice. There was sometimes where we even put our skates on. No, you've got to be kidding. Now, this is remember this is back in the late uh, late fifties and early sixties. So okay, with that, so you grow up, you're starting to play your street hockey. You've got rough winters. You end up in Colorado College. Tell me how you ended up in Colorado <coughs> College, and how long you were there, and when you decided to make the move from Colorado. Well, the, the big thing was uh, the decision to go to Colorado. I, I might have been the first uh, player that has gone that far west on a scholarship, but uh, it all took place uh, from a referee that was in the WCHA back then, Mito Martinello, and. Uh, he, uh, he told uh, Jeff Sauer, who was a then coach at Colorado College, regarding a young goaltender that they might be interested in. So they came down, and my decision, I was playing Tier 2 for the Windsor Spitfires. I was almost going to the Oshawa Generals, who were major and junior, and they were our, uh, our parent team. But they made a real big push on me, and I went to visit... Uh, Colorado Springs, and as soon as I got off the plane, I looked at the mountains around me. They promised me the starting job as a freshman, which back then normally you didn't get. Um, and the uh, decision was easy. I was going to go down to uh, play uh, Division One at Colorado College in Colorado Springs. So you were a two-time All-American at Colorado College. What put you in the WHA from there? Well, you know, I, I, uh, I was originally drafted by the Chicago Blackhawks in the, in the sixth round, and they offered me a contract after, after the draft uh, in my sophomore year, but it was more or less to play in Flint, and they would supplement it. Uh, dis- I was also that year drafted by the Vancouver Blazers, and they did not offer a contract. So it was, a, it was a, an easy decision not to jump and run just to get – out of college, I went back. My junior and senior is where I became All-American. So when it did come down after my senior year between Chicago and uh, Vancouver, uh, and actually they became Calgary at that time, uh, there was more money for Calgary. So I decided to, uh, uh, not that there was a lot, a lot of money, but still it was substantially more than, uh, than the uh, Chicago offer. So that's how I ended up. I always had a feeling, Newman, that... Uh, and George, I should say, uh, that the WHA was eventually going to merge, and I was getting a good start in, in, in Calgary to head into, uh, the, uh, into the NHL. So that was the decision to go to WHA. So as you were moving along, you end up in Indianapolis. There's this young kid uh, by the name of Wayne Gretzky that hitches his wagon onto you. So tell me a little bit about, number one, how that relationship developed. And then number two, tell me a little bit more. You tweeted out last week or two weeks ago about the trade, and you guys really didn't know where you were going till you landed. So tell me about your relationship with Gretz and then the story of the trade. Well, uh, it, it started the, actually the year before where uh, 
where I was on loan from Birmingham to uh, Indianapolis. So uh, as I played at, at uh, near the end of the year, they made uh, – sorry about that, guys. Uh, but anyways, at the end of the year, they made me an offer and, they, and uh, to stay in Indianapolis, which I did. That summer, there was this female kid, Wayne Gretzky. Now, i got to be honest, I had no clue who Wayne Gretzky was. Uh, remember, down south in Birmingham and Indianapolis, Indianapolis, we didn't hear anything about major junior. Age. So as soon as Pat Stapleton called me that summer and said, because me and a, a gentleman by the name of Peter Driscoll spent the whole, most of the summers in Indianapolis. So the coach, Pat Stapleton, Wake Stapleton, uh, called us into the, uh, into the office in August and said, hey, listen, there's a kid coming here. He has to start high school. His name's Wayne Gretzky, blah, blah, blah. He's going to be living close to you guys with a doctor family, uh, building it out. Can you guys keep an eye on him? So that's kind of how we had a head start in August. And then, obviously, September was training camp near the end of September. So we would make sure we'd take Wayne out to dinner sometimes. He was only really, I don't even know if he turned 17. He was probably just turning 17. Um, uh, actually, yeah, he was 17. So that's how the relationship started. So he became very comfortable with me and Peter. Ironically, in November, rumors had it that Nelson Scalbino was ready to fold the team and he was going to sell off assets. We didn't know that at the time, but one morning practice in November, early November, we were told just to uh, go to the airport be at the airport by 2 o'clock, grab as much clothes as you can, but basically get your equipment, a few sticks, and you're gone. And we asked, well, where are we going? He said, we don't know. It's between Winnipeg and Edmonton. Who's ever finalizes the deal, that's where you're going. By 2 o'clock when we showed up, the deal still hadn't been finalized, but we had a, a Learjet waiting and... Where it was going was to Minneapolis, and then from there, it would either be Winnipeg or Edmonton. Well, the thing is, is that, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, in, in Minneapolis, the flight plan was Edmonton. So that's how we found out where we were going at the time, Edmonton, Alberta. Well, and I think I'll... Probably, what's that? Daddy, what I'll say is it, it's a great story. Um, we're excited. We're very, very pumped up that you're going to be sitting in. You're going to be the primary co-host because um, there can only been, be one co-host on this. You're going to be the guy. And I look forward to having you in studio to get more of this story because we've only covered, what, the first 10, 15 years, really, of your career. So good luck. You're with Valentine Vodka as their representative right now. We're going to take a little break. Thanks, Eddie Mio, for calling in. We're going to see you in studio next week. Appreciate it. Eddie, drive safe. No problem. Thanks, Newman. See you, George. All Have right, fun Eddie. In, uh, up north. Oh, we will. We'll carry the tradition on. Got it, bud. All right, thank you. All right, we are going to take a short break. We're going to listen to um, an advertisement from one of our sponsors, Pain-Free Life Center, and then probably take a short little, it'll be about six, seven minutes, and we'll join you then. I don't understand it, and it frustrates me. 
why are people still taking drugs, getting injections, and having unnecessary surgeries? Why are you? Are you ready to start living a pain-free life? Do yourself a favor and call Pain-Free Life Centers today, 248-879-1100. For years, you've been hearing me talk about the benefits of laser therapy. It's totally non-invasive, and it's been cleared by the FDA. I challenge you, no, I'm begging you, give me the opportunity to give you a better quality of life. Call the office today. Come on, what are you waiting for? Start living a better quality of life today. Go to painfreelifecenters.com or call 248-879-1100. We're so confident in what we do, we're going to give you a free consultation and a free treatment. You have nothing to lose but the pain, so lose it. Pick up the phone. Do it now. This is a previously recorded episode. And we're back. Had to take a short little pause for the cause, take a little bathroom break. George was throwing up in a trash can somewhere. It's just too much for him to deal with. This is a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. One of the things that we're getting ready to do is we are getting ready to go to the Upper Peninsula. We're going to do the uh, Labatt Pond Hockey. We're going to talk about that a little bit with Craig Cox. Um, Craig Cox is a former NHL enforcer, has some great stories. He's going to be calling in in a few minutes. But I just wanted to give you a little background about the Red Wing alumni and specifically the board of directors. Um, Currently, there are about 10 board of director members, I believe. Seven. Seven. Seven active. Yeah. All right. So, George, tell me a little bit about who sits on the board of directors for the Red Wing alumni. Uh, First and foremost, you always have your uh, past president, which is Dennis Hextall, which is a four-time president of the Red Wing alumni. Uh, He's been around forever. Class act guy. um, Also an enforcer back in his days. Um, but uh, I can't say enough about Hex, former captain. Um, and then you have our current president, Joey Koser, current vice president, Wayne Presley, treasurer, Paul McKinnon, myself, George Bowman, secretary, and the great Mr. Ted Lindsay, member at large, and Mickey Redmond, member at large. So essentially, <laughs> if you're an elected officer, you're automatically on the board of directors. Yes. Now, what does the board of directors do that is different than, say, the membership as a whole, voting-wise? Well, we have three classifications of membership. We have the elite, which are the former Red Wings and board of of directors. We have the professionals, which are all former NHLers. Um, Primary staff, uh, i.e., our dentist, our team doctor, our chiropractor, trainer, so there we have uh, those gentlemen that are involved in the professional category. And then we have the associates, which are uh, tier two support staff, uh, medical, dentistry, whatever. And, uh, and guys, well, I, I was originally an associate because I was a golf professional. I had no professional hockey background. Um, so that kind of encompasses all the categories. The voting categories are elite and professional to uh, maintain and direct the business of the Red Wing alumni. So the board basically runs the business of the alumni like any other top organization. And uh, so we basically make all the decisions. So if there ever comes down to a vote for something, whether it's um, something to do with uh, the course of business or our election that's coming up in March, uh, our biannual election, uh, only the elites and the professionals will get to vote on that. 
and we have a corporate membership, which is um, attractive to some of our listeners because what that does is if you are a season ticket holder of the Red Wing, of the Detroit Red Wings, you're eligible to pick up a corporate membership with the Red Wing alumni. And for $3,500, you get access to the alumni room, uh, details to follow, and it gives you a spot in our golf outing. So those all parts have to happen in order to become a corporate member. We have about... We have about eight or ten of the corporate memberships that pay to be part of the alumni. So there's no voting privileges. or anything. It's just basically being able to come to the alumni room, rub elbows with the former players, and, and offer something to the alumni um, in whatever field they're in. So with that, you're saying there's about eight to ten corporate sponsors right now. Um, how many spots do you ever cap how many corporate sponsorships you'll have? Well, according to bylaws, we cap it at ten. And... Um, that was uh, – we haven't got to that point. I would be willing to bet once we get into the new building, uh, then there might be a flurry of people wanting to get in that corporate membership category because the new building is going to be out of control, as they say. It's going to be – I've seen the schematic. I've seen the renditions. Everything that's going on in that building is state-of-the-art. It's going to be awesome. And uh, if you can be a part of the Red Wing alumni via corporate membership and get to partake in that building – i.e. you have to have Red Wing tickets in order to qualify, um, you know, it's a, it's a no-brainer. So you've got a board of directors. You have officers. Um, it's a 501c3. The Detroit Red Wing alumni is a 501c3. So tell me about some of the charities that you work with. Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> you know, the ones that repeat year in and year out are the Salvation Army, the United Cerebral Palsy, um, uh, geez, there's... Well, let me let me drill down just a little bit. Now, the Red Wing Alumni Association is a 501c3. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain charities that we support, that we are always there, um, like Folds of Honor, right? What are some of those charities that we like to give back to? Well, that's a great point because we've always... When I got involved in 2006, people would ask... Um, what is your focus as a Red Wing alumni? We, we never really had a focus as to who we're going to support. Um, you know, without getting into grants and aid and people applying for grants with the Red Wing alumni, we basically said we're a medium for a charity to raise money. So you hire the Red Wing alumni just like you do the Harlem Globetrotters to come in and put on the show, and you can go raise all the money you want. The money that we charge to play the games, we take a portion of that and support our cause. And for the last four or five years, it has been the military. And one of the, one of the military arms uh, or charities, I should say, is the Folds of Honor. And it was started by a PGA Professional Golf Association member and course owner on the west side of Michigan by the name of Dan Rooney. You can go to foldsofhonor.com or I think it's .com or .org. And read the story. And basically that what it does is it offers money to uh, for secondary scholarships. You'll never see these folks in the medium. Uh, they don't – that's not what it's about. Uh, they're not going to be grandstanded. It's just basically a pure contribution to the end user that has lost a uh, family member in, in service. And uh, I'll tell you what, it rips your heart out. And uh, there's so many great stories within the military. We have never met a bad charity. So – People call me all the time saying, can we get together? So-and-so has, has uh, contracted cancer or whatever the case is. I've never heard a bad charity. 
However, as a Red Wing alumni, we've directed ourselves and, and partnered ourselves with the military. And um, so it's a feel good. It does good. And we really see benefits from it. So tell me a little bit about the Red Wing alumni schedule from a standpoint of how many games do you guys like to play each year? How many could you play? And how many have you been averaging over the past five years? The average is 20 to 25. The mix of that is typically about 15 to 18 or the typical charity hosted games that we were just talking about. And we play an odd game out west or, you know, we might, we've played games in Russia. We've played games in Vail, Colorado. Uh, we're going to Steamboat Springs uh, in March. Um, if you want to encompass the outdoor game in Denver in a couple weeks, um, you know, it, it's a myriad of what we do and where we play. We'll play anybody anywhere. We've played anywhere from, um, you know, the U17 developmental team last uh, November over at CompuWare. Those kids were fast. <clears throat> oh, yeah, they're good. I mean, obviously, that's why they're drafting the NHL. There, And uh, it's funny because we got a little bit of a lead on them, and we, we, I think we scared them uh, tactically before they ever started. And Mickey and Mickey Redmond and Dino looked at me and said, Georgie, tell them to step it up a couple notches. Let's, let's get her going. So, and they did. And I think they had four more notches they could go. These kids were unbelievable. Uh, we, played, um, we played the Michigan Warriors, which is a, a team comprised of a lot of Purple Heart recipients. Uh, we played them last November, too, over in Royal Oak. We played um, uh, the U.S. Um, What's, what's what's the title? U.S. Amputee Team? No, U.S. Yeah, the Michigan Warriors team that we played in Royal Oak. No, that was a different one. Yeah, it was the – um, yeah, I think it was a U.S. Paralympic team. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so they had – it was man, woman, child. It doesn't matter uh, what sex or whatever you are. If you had a qualifying amputee and part of the, the Paralympic team – I think they finished silver in the Worlds that year, and after two periods, we were tied with them. And uh, we all kind of looked at each other and said, where, where do we go from here? Well, I think we squeaked it out by one, but uh, oh my God, these, these folks were unbelievable. You can't believe the talent. One guy had literally one arm, and his stick was, was attached. He had it under his armpit or something, and came in on me on a shot, and Obviously, you don't see that every day. And this kid did a spinorama top shelf water bottle, and Dino looked at me and said, what just happened? And I'm like, I don't know, but that was the best move I've ever seen in hockey. It was, it was really cool. So how many teams would you say per year that you have to turn away? How many charities where you have to say, you know what, we just can't do it this year? Good news, bad news. Good news is we must be doing something right because the bad news is I've turned away at least in the last three to four years, 10 to 15 groups a year wanting to play us. And we just we, – we, we turn them away only because we'd love to play everybody. But the problem is we have – we're diminishing Red Wings in this territory. We can't call ourselves the Red Wing alumni unless we have Red Wings on that ice. And we can only rely on the guys so much. And they – a lot of these guys, Joey Koser, Jason Woolley, um, you know, Brent Fedick, uh Go right down the list of Red Wings. Jimmy Carson, all the guys in this area all have children or, or young men and women that are playing sports that takes their time away from what we do. So we have to limit what we do because um, 
we have to put Red Wings on the ice. We have to call ourselves the Red Wing alumni. We backfill with NHLers, uh, you know, guys like Brian Smolinski and Brian Ralston, who just retired last year, uh, two years ago. Sergey Samsonov. Oh my God, Sergey Samsonov still should be playing, and so should Ralston. But you know, there's a point in their career they say, "Enough's enough." So they, um, um, our, our talent pool is unbelievable, um, but we also have to. Uh, we don't want to dilute our Red Wings, and you know, Mickey Redmond. It's what a great story. Anytime we have a game and Mickey has a conflict, whether it's uh, whatever he has, whether it's calling a game for the Red Wings or uh, he's on the road, he really gets upset when he can't play for the Red Wing alumni. He just absolutely is so passionate about the game. And um, it, well, that's it, one of the things you know. It's that, very and, infectious, and and we know with Mickey, and that's why a lot of times he's hesitant to sign the autographs in between periods because he does not like to disappoint any fan. And a lot of times you'll see a line, and you know what it's like at some of these events. They know Mickey is signing. They will line right up. And you have to cut it off only because we have to get Mickey back on the ice. And he can't be off the ice that long because, you know, you guys are much older now, (laughs) especially guys like Eddie, and they tighten up. So we like to go with the 20-minute intermission. And just the look on Mickey's face if he has to get up from that table, and there are still kids waiting for that autograph. It seems that there's a core of like at least four Red Wings that seem to be at every game. Uh, that's Fedek, Klima, Mio, and Ogrodnik. Right. Right. And it looks like we try and backfill from there. How do you respond um, to questions about charities that say, okay, we're good, we're in, and we're going to pick our lineup now? Uh, almost like when they look on the website on DetroitRedWings.com backslash alumni – They see the list of players that play for us, and they believe it's a buffet. Well, I'm going to take this, this, and this. How do you how do you address that? How do you deal with it? Well, you know we're we're getting into an era right now where guys like Lidstrom and Holmstrom and Draper and Maltby and Ozzy and all these guys are retiring, and everybody assumes that they're part of the Red Wing Alumni Association. However, all these guys still work, and they a lot of these guys, Larry Murphy, they, they still work outside of the association and they still work for the Red Wings. Erie Fisher is a, a director of player development for the Wings. Uh, Draper has his role. Chelios is assistant GM. Maltby's on the road, you know, 200 days a year. It's those guys are still working. They're still in the groove. They're still in the, in the position to help the team. They're not real available to our Red Wing alumni association, like John O'Grodnick and Fedek and these guys that have, career positions now that are doing other things. So, you know, when you're still in the game, um, you know, Yuri's traveling 150,000 miles a year. It's it's just crazy. Same with Maltz and Drapes is pretty much at home. Chelly's on the road a lot. Uh, Ozzy, you know, I don't know if he'll ever play goal again. You know? Ozzy just had hernia surgery too. Yeah, I think he had a double sports. He did have a double sports, yeah. yes. So, and he'd been fighting that for, since he retired. So he finally had it done and you know, Manny Legacy, you know, his his knees are not good. and um, Yeah, that was like bailing wire um, seems to be holding his knees together. I'll tell you what, the way he played at Joey Koster's foundation game last week in Brighton, the guy, you could take his knees away from him, he still knows how to play this game. I mean, sure. where, where I'm flailing around or Eddie's out of position because Eddie's, you know, a goalie of the 80s, 
Manny's a goalie of the 90s and the 2000s, and uh, that guy is so so positionally correct. He doesn't need his knees, you know. Um, he got surprised a couple times, but that's the beauty of uh, charity hockey because you get a you get a uh, change up on one pitch, and then you get a fastball down the middle of the next one. That's the hardest thing about what we do as goaltenders. As you said, we're rodeo clowns getting thrown in at the bull because we don't know what we're going to get. Well, I think that's the difference sometimes is, you know, Manny was out there and he was doing a yeoman's work. You know, he's really just shouldering the load for that game. And he had played like the week before with us, but he played out. He played as a forward, much like Darren Elliott, who is a former goalie. He likes to do thing, uh, do the same thing. Phil Mir is the same way, but Phil Mir is 92, but he's still skating with us. Uh, I believe. So it's great to see Phil. He's about 72. Oh, okay. That was, uh, that was my mistake. I think he, I think he meant he retired in 92. Yeah. But just the competitive nature, you know, you you said that Eddie's an old school goalie and it kind of is where, you know, you can see it and I've got the fortunate advantage. I shoot every game. So I've got a thousand images in my head from every game that the Red Wing alumni plays. And I can't tell you how many I just delete because just the look of disgust on the face of Eddie Mio because he gave up a goal. Um, I think we were doing a charity game one time and a five-year-old was coming down, you know, one of those little things. And Eddie still blocked the shot. You know, he's 61. He's in great shape. But he's got a bad hip and he's still competitive where you'll have somebody like you or Steve McPhee who's going to be traveling with us up to the UP this weekend. You know what? You're in there to just kind of um, wrangle the Cats. You know, you're herding cats, doing whatever you can. But have you ever taken a game personally? No. Um, reason being, because I, I still feel I'm the luckiest guy, at least in this state, that I get to represent the Red Wing alumni on that ice, wear the sweater my grandfather wore 70, 80 years ago, whatever it was. And, you know, at the end of the day, I really don't have that. I, I still have pride, but I still understand my role. Now, you get guys like Manny and Ozzy. Like when we played that charity game for Officer O'Rourke that was, you know, taken down a couple years ago that we played a compu where Ozzy got off the ice and, you know, I think the score was 8-6 or something. We, we won that one in a squeaker. And Ozzy goes, you know, holy crow, Georgie. You know, I haven't let in six goals in a long time. I said, welcome to the charity world because you have to give back. And the hardest thing that we do as a charity goalie for the Red Wing alumni is to make it look good but also – give back to the people you know and you can tell when our defensemen open up the floodgates and say okay here you go whether it's a sponsor or you know it's a five-year-old but these guys have just an extreme level of pride that when you put on the alumni sweater the pride has to play second fiddle here well i think that's exactly um it's interesting to watch mickey um during a game you know we'll go up six one or seven one and mick would be like all right boys let him back in yeah. Right, And it's easier when you're in goal, um, <laughs> whether you want to stop the puck or not, it's easier to say where Eddie a lot of times, um, it's not one of those things, but he can't hear what the directive from the bench necessarily is. Right. And he's still playing to play that game. It's well, that competitive I, I mean, I, The pride that I have is I take pride in the fact that I, I'm the guy to let in the goals, and it, it's not going to affect my next morning. Uh, and I let in the goals because – that's what I do, right? I mean, I can stop goals in a, in a heavy game. I can play the game. Now, I play senior hockey. I play morning hockey. I do all this, and I, I'm very competitive. Never got paid to do this, 
but also when I get into a charity game and you see a, a, a gal or a, a sponsor that's about a 25 handicap skater, you know, relating to golf, that's not very good that this is the greatest thing that he's ever going to be able to do is cut, break through our defensemen, whatever move he puts on them, and our, and our guys let them go, and I make it look like I tried to make the all-world save and the puck goes in. That's what it's about. Absolutely. George, thanks for giving us a little bit of insight. We're going to take another short break, um, probably about three, four minutes, and then we're going to come back. We're going to go over what's coming up for the Red Wing alumni and what's coming up in the next few weeks with the Red Wing alumni podcast. Jeff Morton, director of Pain-Free Life Centers of Michigan. Winter in Michigan can be hard on anyone, but it can be unbearable if you're living with chronic pain. The cold, the aches, the slippery sidewalks all feel like they're out to get you. But there is a way to fight back. Pain-Free Life Centers has the non-invasive pain treatment you have been looking for. Without the drugs, the injections, and without surgery. Stop your pain today with an FDA-cleared laser therapy that not only fights your pain, it helps heal the source that is causing the pain in the first place. We're so confident in what we do, we offer a no-cost consultation... And your first treatment, completely free. Stop living in pain and enjoy winter for a change. What are you waiting for? Call 248-879-1100 or visit painfreelifecenters.com. That's 248-879-1100 or visit painfreelifecenters.com today. This is a previously recorded episode. Moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them ten times, they might win nine. Not this game. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. And we're back. We're about to do the wrap-up of episode one of the Detroit Red Wing Alumni Podcast. We'd like to thank you for tuning in. We'd like to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at, at Red Wing Alumni. You can follow us on Facebook at the Detroit Red Wing Alumni. Uh, you're going to be able to follow us here. We're going to start a weekly show. Next week's show, we're going to have Eddie Mio back in studio. Uh, I've got Dominic Henning coming in from the Flint Firebirds to talk a little bit about what's going on up in Flint with the OHL. In addition, uh, we've got the game coming up with the Flint Generals, uh, which was a huge success last year, and it's just about sold out this year. Um, after that, we're going to have Todd Bidner come in. He's going to talk about MyProHero.com, and we'll probably have a showdown preview from the Colorado game, the outdoor series uh, at Coors Field. 
from there, the week after that, I think we're going to talk about the Joe Koser Foundation and the work that they've done throughout the community. And after that, the next show after that, we'll probably talk with the Lindsay Foundation. And things go well, we'll have Mr. Lindsay in studio to share a few minutes or we'll give him a call on the phone. Now, if you're looking to see the Red Wing alumni, you're going to be able to travel a little bit to do it. This weekend, as you know, we travel up to the UP. We're going to do the Labatt Pond Hockey Tournament up there in St. Ignace. So that's February 12th. We're at Little Bear Arena. On February 13th, the next day, we're going to continue in northern Michigan in Alpena. February 19th, as mentioned, we'll be in Flint for a face-off against the Flint Generals. On February 26th, some of the team will be in Colorado for the stadium series for the alumni game on that Friday evening. Then we're back home. We're going to do a hockey day in Brighton. Go ahead, George. That Colorado game should be pay-per-view because I think there's going to be some fun to watch there. Well, you know, Dino's already said that he wants to take a run at Roy, and we all know how he feels about Lemieux with the, well, I can't believe I shook his friggin' hand. So another funny story. I'm in West Palm Beach last weekend playing golf. Shocker, right? And I was at a country club, I won't mention the name, and one Patrick Waugh is a member there. And has a locker. Well, he is a member. We know that. Yeah. And uh, so I was like one pull from pulling his locker door open and putting in a my business card with a <laughs> with a comment into his locker from take your pick Draper or Dino. But I just didn't have the heart to do it. I'm you like, should have. You should have uh, pissed on that locker at the same time. George. I couldn't. Out of respect for my game of golf, you know. I, I couldn't do that. You, you can't mess with the Dude, golf. Dude, I've seen your golf game. It's impressive, but you don't have to stay with it. I know. Respect. The golf gods would have struck me down. I, you just can't go into another man's country club, when, especially when you're his guest. And uh, you might have heard of him, a guy by the name of Jack Nicholas. So you can't go into Jack's house and disfame one of his guys. But, man, I saw that Patrick Waugh tag on that locker, and I'm like, oh, I'd love to give it to him. So it should be a lot of fun. That'll be a good one. And then we're going to go into March, uh, March 5th, uh, Hockey Day in Brighton. That's going to be a 1 p.m. tilt. March 13th, we're going back out to Munn. We're going to play in East Lansing against the Michigan State Spartan alumni. After that, we're back home. We're going to do March 18th in Westland for uh, Bill Wild and his uh, wild little team there. And then to end the season, March 19th, we're going to send some of the boys out to Steamboat in Colorado. And the rest of the team will be here in Hazel Park. So between the upcoming shows, the upcoming schedule that we have, we'd like to thank you for tuning in. Once again, remind you that on here on Podcast Detroit, you'll be able to find us each week. And you will also be able to find us on the SoundCloud and download us from iTunes. So once again, I'd like to thank George Bowman for joining us. I'd like to thank Jess for her wonderful work on the board. And we will see you next week. This is a previously recorded episode.